You're so great, Jesus. You're so great, Jesus. You're so great, God. Can't imagine my life without you, Lord. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. Come on, just help me sing it in here. To worship you, I live. Oh, 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 oh. to worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. We say it again, yeah. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live, I live to worship you. your voices to worship you I live I live to worship you to worship you I live to worship you I live I live to worship you One more time, say, oh, 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 here's my worship, I give it to you, Lord. Oh, 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 you've been so good, you've been so kind. Oh, that's why I gotta worship you, Lord. Oh, 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 Come on, lift it up and say, One more time, say,
say something wonderful to him. We honor you, God. We honor you, Father, yeah. We can't live without you, Jesus, yeah. Oh, you're so worthy, you're so worthy, you're so worthy, yeah. You're so worthy, Lord. I can't speak for anybody else, but I know you're worthy, Jesus. Yeah, I know you're worthy, Lord. You're a healer, you're a healer. says God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship in spirit and in truth so we worship you in spirit and in truth Jesus we worship you Lord from a place only you can dwell My storage is empty right here. My storage is empty, and I am available. Miracles, miracles. We 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 talk about miracles a lot. We say the word miracles, but do we truly understand what miracles are and the purpose for the miracle? Why does God choose to, out of his busy schedule, deal with you, bless your socks off, and blow everybody's mind around you? Why is it that God chooses to to work through you to show up and show out in ways in your life? So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to, to, to really dive into that word miracle. So let's start by reading John, St. John 
first chapter, I mean, sixth chapter in the first verse. It says, after these things, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee. All right, if you have a pen or something or highlighter, highlight the Sea of Galilee, which is also the Sea of Tiberias. All right, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which, which he had on them that he... Uh, that were diseased. So they saw the miracles that he had performed on them that were diseased. Go to the next one. And it says, and Jesus went up into the mountain and there he sat with his disciples. Go ahead. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews was nigh. All right. I need y'all to circle that scripture. Go back, go back to that circle, that whole thing. All right. Because one of the things that I like to do when I study, I like to do who, what, when, where, why, how. In order for me to get and grasp the whole concept of what's going on, what's being said, you've got to understand the whole context of what's going on. Many people take small scriptures out of the Bible and apply it and out of its context, and it's not right. <laughs> so we live our lives thinking that, 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 that you know, oh, oh, the Bible says where there's two or more gathered in his name. Well, well, what was it really talking about in the context of the scripture? Why were they gathering? What were they gathering for? They had a disagreement. <laughs> it wasn't for the Holy Ghost to move and us to shout. No, they had a disagreement in that moment. So when we use scripture out of its context, then it comes off as if that, that we're trying to put the Bible in our own type of form or, 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 or make the Bible work for us as to us working for the Lord. Amen. So, so the feast of uh, Passover was nigh. Uh, and when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, somebody circle Philip. Philip has a specific reason. He didn't ask John. He didn't ask Matthew. He didn't ask Luke. He asked specifically Philip. And the question that he asked him derives as to his responsibility. So when Jesus asked certain questions to certain disciples, it lends to that area of ministry that they're working in, in that time. Philip, which shall we buy bread that thou may, that these may eat? So that lets me know Philip had something to do with the food. Amen? So why would I go ask Sister Ruth, and if Sister Ruth works in, in medical, about food, <laughs> if that's not her area? Jesus is very, one thing that I love about Jesus, Jesus is very direct, He's very direct. He knows what questions to ask and who to ask. I've never not once read in the scripture to where Jesus asked a question and somebody said, hold on, Jesus, let me go find the answer for you. Have y'all read that? No, because Jesus knew who he was dealing with. He knows who he's dealing with. He knows who you are. So when he asks direct questions, he knows the direct answer. Can I get an amen, somebody? So when Jesus saw that, he asked Philip the question, how are these people going to eat? Let's go to the next question, uh, next scripture. And this, and, and this, he said, to prove him. Sometimes Jesus asks you questions just to prove a point. To prove himself, because he knew what he would do. Go to the next one. Philip answered to him, says, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. Keep going. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, Go ahead. There's a lad over there which had five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many people? Keep going. 
And Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place so that the men sat down in a number of 5,000. Somebody circle 5,000. Let's go to the next one. And Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, think about it. Jesus giving thanks to something that indirectly, think about it, he created. Think about it. Think about that. After he had raised it up to give thanks. He distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down and likewise of the fishes as were much as they were, that as they would. Keep going. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that, that remain, that nothing be lost. Keep going. And then before we go there, go to uh, uh, circle the whole 12th verse, circle that verse, because there's a point coming out of that. Number 13, let's go to 13th verse, the final one. Therefore, they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. What's so crazy about the book of John is that the first six chapters have to do with a theme around water. And, and, and if you don't believe me, I can take you through it. In the, in the first chapter, it talks about uh, how, how John says, sees Jesus and he's, Jesus is being baptized. John's baptizing Jesus. And, 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 and that was around uh, water. So, so to fulfill the scriptures, John 1 and 29, Jesus comes to be baptized to be, for fulfill righteousness. Chapter 2 is also around water because Mary, the mother of Jesus, says, look, I'm embarrassed. We're at this party. You know, all the alcohol, the wine is gone. <laughs> and so she's like, what are we going to do? Jesus said, okay, what do you have me to do, woman? You know, uh, you know, it's before my time. And then Mary looks in and says, just do whatever he says. Jesus then turns the water into wine. Number three is also around water because Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night and Jesus says, except you be born by the, the spirit and of the water, you, you can't be born again. You got to be born by the spirit of the water. So that's also around a theme of water. Chapter four is around the theme of water. Uh, it's also they're hungry. They're sitting down and he's at Jacob, Jacob's well. And Jesus says, I'll give you water that you never have ever drank of. You know, know nothing about this water, the water that I have for you. John chapter five is also around water. They're also at a place called Bethesda. A man is paralyzed, and, and, and then they, he takes up his bed. They said, you know, silver and gun have I none, but as such as I have, I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And then there's also chapter 6, and that's where we're at tonight, and I'm going to park here tonight. It's on chapter 6. So, so what we're going to do is take this specific miracle, this miracle, the, the, the two loaves and five barley, the, you know, the... the, the, the Two fish and the five loaves. We're going to take this miracle and we're going to chop it up and see what we can come away with with this miracle. How in, how in the world did Jesus perform this miracle? It's in the scripture. And we're going to see what we can come away with. Somebody shout amen. amen. So let's do this. What is a miracle? Can somebody just holler out what you believe a miracle is? Yes, sir. Something that humans can't explain scientifically. Something humans can't explain scientifically. Good. Anybody else? Has anybody experienced a miracle before? 
Supernatural. Say it again. Scream it out. Supernatural. Okay, say it in the mic so that they can hear you on the, on the line. Supernatural. Supernatural. What does supernatural mean? See, you see these words? Because I said these words for years, didn't know what they meant. In the church, preaching, singing, and still didn't know what it meant. So supernatural, what does that mean for the ones that's watching that just came to Christ yesterday? I'm going somewhere with this. What is supernatural? Natural is what we can see. What you can touch, taste, feel that your senses can respond to. But there's another sense that deals in another realm. Okay? And, and, and a lot of the world don't like to talk about it. They call oh, it's intuition, it's this. They, they, they have so many names for it. But my Bible tells me that it's called the Holy Ghost. And there's something in that realm that takes place that then manifests in the natural realm. And thus and therefore, now calling it supernatural, now calling it something that can't be explained, it's now called a miracle. Somebody shout miracle. So, so the true definition of a miracle, it comes from the word miraculum, M-I-R-A-C-U-L-U-M, miraculum, and it means two words, to wonder. So what God is trying to do in this season for somebody in this house, he's trying to put you in a place of wondering, just, what? How did that happen? To wonder, not to wander wander is walking around going places not going anywhere aimlessly but to wonder is to make you sit back and contemplate what just happened to you anybody want to contemplate of what god is getting ready to do for you i mean come on you've been praying for some stuff and you've been asking and seeking god for some stuff and next thing you know god turns around and shows up on your behalf and now you like what just happened like you shocked like you didn't expect it you already knew your god was gonna come out for you come on somebody so, 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 so here we are. It means to wonder, to have something supernatural, as my brother said, manifest in the natural, a sign or a mighty work or some divine commission. So, so, so that's what God wants to do to you. Many of you in here, unbeknownst to you, God wants to put you in a, in a wonder. He wants you to put you in a state of just, bef- you're just uh, be- not bewildered, baffled. You're baffled about his movement. Isn't that awesome that, that that's what God wants to do with you? So, so, so to put you in a wonder, why did John write this book? Why did John write this miracle in there? Why did John write his whole book? It's to do two, just one thing, to put you in a wonder. So that you can legitimately see that Jesus is the Christ. So that you can legitimately see that he is the son of God. That he is the one that the word has been proclaiming. He is the one. So John is in his late 90s when he writes this book. And, 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 and the last time you really hear from John, he shows up in the temp- temple with Peter. And, and, and he's saying as a, as a young man, silver and gold as I none. And such as I have, I give unto thee. Take, you know, take a bit of walk in the name of Jesus Christ, walk. And so, but John's main responsibility was to take care of Mary, the mother of Jesus. After Jesus transitions into, and ascends into heaven, his main responsibility, as Philip was over the food, uh, uh, Judas was over the money, his main responsibility was to watch the mother of Jesus Christ. So, 
Mary also, uh, the thing that, that, that blows my mind is that, that, that during that time, Mary, after Jesus, Jesus transitioned, Mary and John had to have gotten close. Let me tell you why. Because the scripture proves that they got close. The scripture proves it. It's because when Jesus dies, think about it logically. You're in charge of taking care of someone. Especially if it's Jesus. Wouldn't you want to know everything there is to know about that man? I mean, I'd be wanting to know when his first tooth came. I'd be wanting to know when he fell and made his first boo-boo. I want to know everything about the man that I worship. Come on, somebody. Y'all got to go with me here. Wouldn't you want to know everything? So how does John know all this stuff about Jesus? Because he had Mary. Think about it in the scripture. The John declares in the scripture, he says, look, if I told you everything, you will, your mind can't even con- just, just even comprehend everything there is to know about Jesus. But once I get started, let me start with this. In the beginning, Jesus was there. It was the word. It, the, and then not only that, the word was God and the word was with God. So Jesus was already there. John had to let us know. Jesus was already there. He was just in the form of the word. John had to let us know. So the way he knew this stuff is because he used the resources that he had. So if his responsibility was to watch over Mary, his also responsibility was to get the wisdom from Mary. Can I get an amen, somebody? So it's the fourth gospel. Out of all the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John is the fourth gospel. And Mary dies about 70 A.D., Shortly after Titus came and burnt down Jerusalem, uh, many historians believe that John looked over after her for the portion of 70 years until she died. So so John already knew that the word became flesh and we beheld the glory of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth. He understood that God was in Jesus in the flesh. He understood that God in Jesus in the flesh. So Jesus walked around both human and divine. Somebody shout human and divine. So he, he, he walked around having those two characteristics in him. So what he did was he wrote this gospel for you to be convinced. Convinced that there's nothing too hard for God. Convinced that there's absolutely anything that tries to defy God. It, it can't stand. Convinced that he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you can ask or think. Convinced. That's why he created the miracles. So miracles are designed to convince you to believe in Jesus. That's the reason why miracles are there. Miracles are born and are, are birthed just so that people around you, because you already believe in them. It's for your auntie that said you'll never get the car. It's for your uncle that said you'll never ever get the new house. It's for those friends that laugh at you when you don't know about it. That says that you'll never be nothing. And then you walk up being something because God made you something. That's what a miracle is. A miracle is not for you. It's for the onlookers. The unbelievers. Jesus would have never did the two fish and five barley loaf if everybody believed. Oh, come on, somebody, because they could do it themselves. (laughs) Because he said, greater works you shall do. 
But he does these things. He gives you the house. He gives you provision. He gives just so that he can defy the laws of man. Oh, come on, somebody. Anybody need God to defy the laws of man on your behalf? Come on, the creditor says you can't have this, but then God turns around and says you can have it. The doctor says, no, you're sick, but God says you're healed. Oh, come on, somebody. I need somebody to give God a praise in this place for the working of your miracle. So miracles are demonstrated by God so that people can say, oh, my goodness, there is a God. That's why. Has a miracle ever happened to you and it affected somebody else? Raise your hand if it ever happened to you and affected somebody else. I had a miracle happen to me one time, and, um, and I didn't understand why. I thought the Lord gave me the miracle to sustain my sister's life. But my sister at the time, uh, it was back in 2000 and maybe 10, um, my sister, a lot of people don't know, but uh, uh, I had a sister that passed away. She was the next baby up from me, went to school together, everything. So it was a huge loss for me. Um, and what wind up happening was, um, before she passed, uh, it was a year before she passed, um, I got a call from my mom early in the morning. On, uh, it was, I was on my way to work. And she said, you need to get two hours. Her hospital was two hours because they didn't specialize in the area we were living in. It was two hours away. So we had to drive two hours away to go see about my sister. And so my mom was like, hey, you need to get to the hospital this morning. They, they said that her monitors didn't work over the night or something, something happened. She's just not breathing. You need to get to the hospital. So I instantly got in my car, and I was started doing 90 to 100, <clears throat> heading down to Gainesville, Florida, living in Orlando. And um, at that time, I heard the Holy Spirit say, he said, why do you have to be there as if something's going to happen if you show up? I'm already there. <laughs> Y'all don't hear me in the house. I'm already there. Who are you? The moment I heard that, I pulled under a bridge. Uh, it was under a bridge, and I pulled over under the side of the bridge. It was raining, and, and, and I pulled over, and I, sat, and I sat in my car, and I said, I said, God, I know you're already there, but God, I need you right now. I need you right now. It's not hurt. My family can't handle a loss right now. Not now. <laughs> not right now. I said, but here's what I'm going to do. God, if you decide to take her today, I'm still going to shout and dance. If you decide to keep her here, the devil's got something coming for him. You hear what I'm saying? Nothing you decide to do, God, is going to stop my praise. If a miracle works out in my favor, then God, I thank you. But if not, God, you're still good. Anybody going to praise like that? So that was the recipe to, 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 that, that catapulted me into the next phase of the miracle. In order for a miracle to be what it is, they have to have a problem. There has to be a problem in order for the miracle to show up. How would you know, your, you know God's divinity if there's no depravity in your life? If you don't go through nothing, how would you know that God's a healer? Anybody been sick before? And the Lord healed your body? Where your hands at? Show, come on, where your hands at? Don't be afraid to declare it. God healed your body. You ought to lift your hands. Yes, he healed my body. Yes, he did. God did it, and that's how you know him to be a healer. Come on, somebody. Anybody ever been broke before? And then when the, the next thing you know, a random check or somebody just show up, here's some groceries right here, baby. Here's some of this. Oh, come on, somebody. You will never know the greatness of God until you've been in a problem. Oh, y'all don't hear me up in here. That's why miracles are there. God uses the word miracles 
so that he can get you out of the problem you're in right now. Miracles are designed so that you can keep talking about them for years. Your kids to talk about them for years. Think about it. If you look in the scripture, we're reading, and before we started, we were talking about faith. Because of faith, Abraham did. Because of faith, this person did. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Moses. By faith. I wonder what, you, what people are going to say because of your faith. By faith, Ruth got a miracle. Oh my gosh, did y'all see that? By faith, pastor. Oh my gosh, by faith, my sister in the back. Did y'all see by faith? What are people going to write about you? So he wrote this book for you to believe that if God created it, even though he created, he can still defy what he created. Y'all don't hear me up in here. Even though God created this, everything in the earth, nothing, he, he, he doesn't need what he creates. So, so, so he doesn't need the chair. He doesn't need this chair for him to still exist as God. If he needed the chair to exist as God, he wouldn't be God. Oh, y'all don't hear me up in here. So everything he creates, it's with intention. Very much intention. He knows what he's doing. Look at somebody and say, God knows what he's doing. Come on, look at him and say, he's know, he knows what he's doing. So here we go. Where are they? Didn't I say circle it? Where are they? Who, what, when, where, why? So we skipped over the who because we know we're dealing with Jesus and the disciples and the 5,000, the multitude. Where are they? Is my next question. The Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Tiberias. In the New Testament, also, it's referred to the Sea of Genesaret. They're all one and the same. Okay? All right? So that's very, very important. They're at the Sea of Galilee. They're over on the right side of the mountain. The question I have now is why are they in this mountain? It's in the scripture. Why are they in the mountain? Those of you that are watching, this is good Bible study right there. Why are they in this mountain? They're in this mountain because Jesus wants to go take a rest. That lets me know Jesus needs needs to rest too. (laughs) Thank you. Jesus needs to rest too. So Jesus wanted to go and take a rest. Because the people have been following him for the healing. All they want was the healing. They've been following throngs of people, following Jesus from all over the diaspora, trying to get healing. What do they want from Jesus? Somebody shout healing. So he's going there to take a rest. Throngs of people are following him. The question number six I have is why are they following Jesus? They're following him because they're sick. And he healed their diseases. He healed them, the demonic possessed. Those of him, people, Matthew 14, 13 says he healed their sick. News about him spread all over Syria. People brought to him all those that were various diseases, suffering from severe pains, debilitating pain. I'm not talking about your little, you know, pinky toe hurting. I'm talking about pain that makes you forget who your mama 
is. Pain that makes you. I was talking to Sister Ruth earlier, and she was telling me how some of the patients that she, she, she ministers to, she works with, and she serves in the community. Oh, man, uh, just some of the pain that they just think they, they don't even know how to even speak sometimes because of the debilitating pain. Anybody ever experienced pain like that? Just pain, sciatic nerve pain, just stuff in your back, stuff in your body. You make you forget your name, make you just want to just lose your hair, just pull your hair out. That type of pain. Jesus was healing like that. The God you serve can heal any kind of pain and any kind of sickness and any kind of disease. Come on, somebody, and praise them up in here. Migraine headaches. I'm talking about dislocated discs. Whatever it is that they had, he can heal. So they brought him to Jesus. The problem that I have with society today, Jesus is the last person they bring him to. The very last person that they bring them to. Now, I'm not knocking hospitals and stuff. I, I honor them because I go to the hospital when I need to go to the hospital. However, the moment that, 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 that I, folks, I remember back in the day, my mom, I, I'd be like, my, my stomach hurt. Trying to get out of go to school. My stomach hurt. Okay, let's call on Jesus. Oh, no, I'm good. <laughs> my stomach hurt. Because <laughs> I know we was going to be there for three hours. Pray. <laughs> I knew we was going to be there for three hours. <laughs> I knew. But I knew that was her first thing. But now society is, oh, stay home. It's okay. It's all right, baby. Stay home. Stay, and we just playing these games over and over and over again. But my mom was smart. She knew to call on Dr. Jesus. Anybody know who that is? That's the first thing she did. Before we, took her, before we got taken to the hospital, she was praying. And that's the problem that I have with the society now. Because we have to get back to going to Jesus first. Somebody shout Jesus first. So people all over came in, people that were sick, paralyzed, everything came to go see Jesus. All right. And so what what I want you to see about this picture is that Jesus is trying to take a rest. People won't leave him alone. Everybody wants to follow him for the healing. Now, what's happening in the story? In that area. It was almost the time of the Passover, the feast of Passover. It was 12 days before the Passover, which is celebrated in Jerusalem. Jews from all over the diaspora came and they were coming to Jerusalem. And the the word diaspora means the dispersion of Jews beyond Jerusalem. So anywhere that that Jews live, they're part of the diaspora because they're dispersed everywhere. Okay, but they got a whiff that Jesus was in this mountain. Somebody ratted out that Jesus was in this mountain. The Bible said that they went after him. They ran after Jesus. They, and the thing that I love about Jesus is that Jesus stole the opportunity. He seized the opportunity to teach them and to heal them. He didn't, he didn't sit around and just gloat because, oh, look at all these people coming for me. No, he knew what they were coming for. Just like you're sitting in here right now, looking at me, listening to this word from the Lord. Right now, there's some needs that you have right now that nobody knows about. But there's a God that's in this place that knows about those secret needs that nobody knows. While you're sitting here, you think Jesus is is blind to the fact that you got food cooking at the house right now? You got family issues going on? You think Jesus is blind to the fact that, 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 that you got to buy more toothpaste or you got this going on? Just the small things in life. Jesus cares about the small details. Let me tell you how he cares about the small details. Because in the scripture, it declares that Jesus saw that the men were hungry. Not that they were demon possessed. Not that they needed a new car. He saw the most simple thing. The very first imminent thing that they were dealing with. 
Because in the scripture, in Matthew, this scripture is also recorded in other gospels as well. In Matthew's, the disciples were trying to shoo them away because there were so many of them. They didn't have any food. They were trying to shoo them away. But Jesus didn't come for you to be shooed away from him. Oh, y'all don't hear me. He said he comes that you might have life and life more abundantly, not to shoo you away. Anybody that, if you ever find somebody trying to shoo you away from the presence of God, you need to watch out for them. Oh, come on, somebody. But Jesus came so that you can run to him. Run to him. And so that's what they did. Jesus saw that they were hungry. He said, he said, make the men sit down. They all sat down. Jesus knew that he had the ability to perform miracles because he's done it before. And not only that, he knows who he is. The question is, do you know who you are? Jesus says, greater works you shall do. We're supposed to be doing the same thing, if not greater. In his name. Not in our name, but in his name. Jesus had the ability. So when we say miracle, many of us say it softly. Many of us say it weakly as if we don't believe. But, but you really don't understand the God you serve. But Jesus had no problem teaching and healing because he had the power to do it. The Bible says that he looked around and he taught and he healed. The Bible also said that he, he was moved with compassion. Moved with compassion. Jesus has compassion, y'all. He was moved with compassion and he looked at them and saw that they were hungry. And it was getting late in the evening and they were in the, in the mountain. Uh, it, was, it was on the other side of Bethsaida. They were right there. And, and his disciples now, who, who are always limited, said, Master, we, we better just send them away quickly. Send them away quickly. Because they look weak. They look hungry. And y'all know it ain't nothing worse than preaching some, some hungry people that look very feeble. You know, you know, you be in church and you be trying to talk to them. And you talking to them about the, the, the food and the manna from heaven. And they sitting there thinking about that good old red lobster bread dinner rolls. And just thinking about food, steak, and, and, and T-bone steak. And y'all, some of y'all thinking about that stuff right now. But it's all right. Because we're going to eat afterwards. But... but, but, but <laughs> But many, many people were thinking about that while he was sitting there. And Jesus saw that he was moved with compassion, just like the Seraphonician women. No, no, no. We're not shooing nobody away. Bring them. If they're hungry, I am food. Jesus knew who he was. So he was able to meet the need. And I wonder who, how many needs God's getting ready to meet this week. I wonder how many needs that God's getting ready to meet. So, so what he did, number one, and my points are almost done. I have five points. Jesus saw the need. Somebody shout, Jesus saw the need. One thing about Jesus, he's clear as to what he comes to do for you. I've never known Jesus to meet somebody and they come in no legs they, they, they can't they're paralyzed and Jesus is like okay I'm gonna heal your big toe but they need legs <laughs> what good is the toe if there's no legs you get what I'm saying Jesus is not Jesus is not confused like that Jesus deals with the need somebody shout the need so 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 what he did what he did when Jesus gets ready to do a miracle he identifies it 
if there's an issue, he identifies it. Somebody comes in here and be like, oh, I'm dealing with a lot of brokenness. I'm dealing with this and that. Jesus is not going to deal with, uh, 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 you know, trying to give them, you know, money or nothing like that. Jesus is going to deal with the imminent need right then and there. The question that I have for you tonight is what is your imminent need? Everybody has one in here. And if you don't have one in here, please see me after church. I would love to borrow $20 from me. <laughs> that was a joke. That was a joke. That was a joke. Okay. But, but seriously, what is your imminent need? What is it that you need from God right now? The very same God that performed this miracle is the absolute same God today, yesterday, and will be tomorrow. So my question to you tonight, we're going to adopt this word and really take it here. What is it that you need? What do you need from the Lord right now? What is it? Identify that. Put it in your brain right now. All right? Number two. When Jesus is getting ready to perform a miracle, he asks questions. I can remember in my life, I can only speak for me, to where before he does something major with me, he asks a question just to see where my heart is. He knows my heart, but just to see where my faith is. So I was sitting there one time and I was, I was in Mississippi and this actually happened the day before my, my sister transitioned. Um, two days before my sister transitioned. And at that time, I had a, a blue Ford Explorer, 250,000 miles on it. <laughs> I drove that thing. I drove that car. That was my favorite. It still is my favorite car because I, I decked it out. Ruth, I had rims on it. I, you know, we're back in the day, we used to change the radio and everything, depreciate the car really horrible. But it was just, <laughs> I had to do it because it was my car. It was my SUV. It was a two-door Ford Explorer. I love that car. Loved it. 250,000 miles on it. And it came time to where it was making noises and stuff. And it was time for a brand new car. And so I was traveling, ministering a lot, or uh, traveling around the United States uh, at that time. And um, I was in Mississippi, Jackson, Mississippi. And I was getting ready to get the stage um, to, to preach, to bring the word. And I, before I got on stage, my dad was texting me. And he was like, hey, you're going to have to figure something out. Can, you, can your car even make it back? to Florida? <laughs> he was asking those questions. I was like, I don't know. And so as I was, as I was up getting ready to hit the stage, I said, God, you're going to have to do something. Blow my mind, Lord, before I get home. <laughs> Blow my mind, Lord. Figure something out. You're God. I can't do this. I don't even know how I'm going to get home, Lord, without a big bill. <laughs> so, Lord, help me. Figure something out. Work a miracle. So as I'm up there on the stage getting ready to bring the word, um, they call my name and I'm getting ready to hit the, the, the platform. I get a text message from my dad and it's a, it's a car, a blue, newer, at the time it was 2017 Ford Explorer. And I was like, oh, whose car is this? <laughs> it's your car. When you get back, what you mean it's my car? 
Well, somebody's been following your ministry. That's a part of our ministry. He's been following your ministry, and his daughter just got a new car, and so she was giving him back the car. That she had, and he was like, I don't want it, so he's giving you the car. He's like, you don't even have to pay insurance on it. He's going to add you to his insurance. Y'all don't hear me up in here. I didn't have a car, no. The car wasn't even paid for. He paid for it. Y'all don't hear me. Y'all don't hear me up in here. I got a car for scot-free because I was serving the Lord. Now, if you can't tell that a miracle, I don't know what it is. Because don't nobody get a free car, up-to-date car, without a note, unless you paid it off. So, so, this is how much favor the Lord blessed me with, because this man, the man that actually gave, gave me the car, I, I did not know his financial status. I didn't know anything about him. It was my, one of my dad's friends. And, and now that I'm older, I found out who he was. This man is a millionaire. Millionaire. And he owns a, a, a company that has cars, that the company cars. So what his daughter was using was one of his company cars. He got tired of the car. He was like, that's a brand new car. I don't need all these cars. And gave it to my dad. And my dad was like, oh, Timothy needs a car. Oh, here you go. <laughs> and it just, do you see how God divinely orchestrated that? And me, I'm in Jackson, Mississippi, still stressing. And the moment that I prayed and said, God, you deal with it. It removed out of my hand got to his hands and then he worked the miracle all in the matter of moments did you hear what i'm saying your god wants to do something like that and blow your mind in a matter of a moment god wants to blow your mind this week so so i'm sitting there i i'm like i, I had to leave the stage i was like give me like five more minutes i walked off the stage went in the back called my dad my dad's like, why are you calling me for? You supposed to be out preaching. I said, <laughs> I said, whose car is that? And he's like, it's your car. I was like, well, how? how? We're going to talk about it when you, got, when you get home. By the time I got home, my sister transitioned. We never got to talk about it. So a couple weeks later, I then said, okay, so how much is the bill for this? How much is the bill for this? My dad wouldn't tell me. So I went over his head and went to the person. <laughs> and I said, uh, listen, Mike, I, I'm sorry. I, thank you. Thank you. Everything. Thank you. How much do I owe you? And he was like, oh, the company's paying for it. It's all taken care of. It's your call. I've added you to the insurance. So about towards the end of the life of the car, because that car has been really good to me, I was in, involved in an accident, and it was my fault. And so I called Mike up because I, I knew I was on his insurance. And I said, Mike, I backed into somebody. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. He said, man, God gave you that car. He'll give you another one, man. Don't worry about it. I got another company car waiting for you. <laughs> well, give me your first and last day so I can make sure the insurance is up and taken care of on the car. No issues. Not even nothing. I never even dealt with the issue. God already provided a way of escape for me. That's what, I mean, when God does a miracle, listen, when God blesses you, his, the blessings of the Lord maketh you rich and added what? Somebody's getting ready to walk in a season of no sorrow. I speak that right now in this house. And in the sound of my voice, I prophesy you walking through a season of no sorrow. Walking in the richness of God, the blessings of the Lord. Your health is on another level. I mean, just on a completely different level in the name of Jesus. I speak it right now in this house, right now in this atmosphere. No sorrow. Somebody shout no sorrow. Come on, somebody shout no sorrow. I dare to give God the craziest praise right here. Hallelujah. 
So he asked questions. Come on, Philip. And he don't ask. He only asked questions to the people that has something to do with the miracle. So Philip, you are over the food ministry, the fish fry ministry. <laughs> Cooking all that good fish, the fish fry ministry. So how are we going to feed all these people? You look at all these people, Philip, come on. Look at that. Now think about it. If I was Philip and I knew who I was standing next to, I'd be like, oh, you got this. <laughs> this ain't even, why are you even asking me, Jesus? You got this. <laughs> you, are the, you are the great God of heaven. <laughs> you got this. But because sometimes we can be so limited in our thinking, hello, somebody, we miss who we're dealing with. Come on, Philip. How are we going to feed all these people? Here's Philip. Well, there's only two fish and five loaves of bread in here. Jesus, I knew that. I knew it. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I'm paraphrasing. Jesus, I knew that. But my question to you is, how are we going to feed all these people? I don't know. I don't know. Make the men sit down. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus already knew what to do. His next response was, make them sit down. Because evidently, you still don't remember who I am. So let me show you who I am. Let me seize this opportunity to show you that I'm still Jehovah Jireh, the provider. Because evidently, you got it mixed up and twisted. You, the last miracles didn't convince you. Think about it. Philip's been walking with Jesus all this time. And the last miracles didn't convince him. And still didn't know even on this next miracle. If you don't know me by now. <laughs> Woo! Think about it. So Jesus is like, make him sit down. Let me remind you who I am. So what Jesus did was so profound. He then says, go get the lad. Bring the boy over here. He's got two fish, five loaves of bread. Bring them here. There's 5,000 people. The math ain't right. When you do business with God, ladies and gentlemen, one plus one never equals two. When you do business with God, one plus one always equals more than enough. I'm going to prove it, prove my point. So Jesus tells him, sit down. He then takes the loaves. He takes what was offered. This is where many people miss their blessing and their miracle. It's because you don't give God what you have. There would have been no miracle if there wasn't a lad with two fish and five loaves. <laughs> Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. Think about it. There would have been nothing to perform. Unless he would have created something out of nothing, which he can do because he's God. But if there was no lad there. There would have been no miracle specifically dealing with two fish and five loaves. Mm, come on. So what is it saying to you? What is it saying to me? What's saying to me is that, yeah, Lord, this is all I got. Two fish and five loaves. You ask him for it, I'm going to give it to you. You do whatever you want with it. He's going to multiply. So let me give you an example. There was one time I was in service and uh, I had came late to the service and um, the preaching was already done. They had already taken up the offering. Everything was done. And I came late. And 
there was one thing that the man of God said that I knew came from heaven. One thing he said to me, it hit me here. I was late. Mind you now, I was late. Didn't get to the whole message and everything. But then I heard the Holy Spirit says, so into this man's life. I said, but Lord, I only have $20 in my pocket. I only have $20. I want to do more. The Lord said, give me what you have. Give me what you have. And so I said, okay. So I I went ahead and I sold it to a man of God. And that was it. And I walked away. And um, what you call it? The, The pastor of the church called me that next day. And he said, oh, the man of God that was there, he, he, he gave me a word for you. He said, more than enough. Ooh, wow. And I was like, that's it? He's like, that's it. And I hung up the phone. And he said, don't say nothing more, don't say nothing less. More than enough. And I hung up the phone. Yeah. And so I didn't know what that meant. I, then later on, down that line, I had to go and do some, some stuff for uh, a recording and stuff like that. And I was just doing it on just, you know, you know how Brother Nick does recording and stuff like that. So, so, so we just do, sometimes we just do things out of the kindness of our heart just to bless somebody. The very church that I did it for just to do it, they then send me a check for $2,000. I didn't ask for it. More than enough. Multiply two, $20 to a 20, you know what I'm saying? $2,000. So what I did was I knew I wanted to sow more in the, in the initial. So what I did was I took $200 out of that and I went and blessed, found the man of God and I blessed him again. <laughs> He blessed me again. And then he spoke a word, more than enough. Ladies and gentlemen, I tell you, that was the best year of my life. The greatest year of my life. Because I understood that if you give God what you have, he will multiply it. He will multiply. Does anybody need God to do some multiplying in your life? So he takes it, blesses what you have. Did y'all see that in the scripture? He takes it, he blesses it, and then he says, distribute. He took it, blessed it, and told the disciples with those same two fish and five loaves, distribute. It had to have been some kind of faith for me to see a basket with one fish in here. Everybody got it all spread out. One fish. How do you take a basket with one fish and say, here you go, here you go, here you go. It takes some kind of faith and you recognizing who you're dealing with to know that this is already half full. It's not, it's not empty. Your faith will tell you this is full. I know you only see one fish in there. I know it's only one fish in there. But the moment you pick that fish up and give it to somebody, there will be another one in there. <laughs> the moment you blink, you won't even, it's so fast. Everybody blink your eye. Wink your eye real quick. You're too slow. God had already worked on your behalf. You're way too slow. God knows how to pause and stop time. Just so that he can slip in and bless you and slip out. <laughs> he knows what to do. He's that good. So when you go home, tell your family, wink your eyes. Wink your eyes. You're too slow. You're too slow. He takes it. He blesses it. And then at the end of it, this is where the big part is. He leaves more than enough. He tells the disciples. Gather all the fragments that's left. How do you grab fragments from two fish and five loaves that you have already handed out? He defied the laws of numbers. Defies the laws of nature. 
to create a miracle. And then he says, take the rest of it that none be lost. I want you to take it all. Take it all. I don't want nothing left. Take it all. And how many pots were left? I think it was 12 baskets, did it say? 12 baskets left out of two fish and five barley loaves. Now, in the scripture, I have to highlight this. The loaves of bread that they had is not the type of bread that we have today. The bread was, was, was it's penny, I mean, pennies worth of bread, type of bread, penny worth. If you know what a penny is, cheap, cheap bread that you can just whip it up real quick. No, it's not something that people would go after very, very fast. But when Jesus was in the mix of it, that was enough to feed one person. A little bit of bread. Jesus had to take what little bit someone bought and make it much. So what he's doing in this season is taking what little you have. I know if it's patience, I got a little bit of patience. God will take that little bit of patience you got and deal with it and make it multiply, <laughs> multiply that patience. I know my job. Oh, my job. I know my job. But my job, Lord have mercy. Oh, the things that I go through on my job. God takes what, as Lord, I only got a little bit of, a little bit of patience left, Lord. They, they got one more time. I'll deal with that little bit of patience you got right now. I'm going to create a miracle to give you much more patience so that it'll make you smile when they're coming after you. So now when they do come after me, I'm like, they're like, nothing gets you mad. No, because God gave me patience. <laughs> the miracle is I could be going crazy on you right now. I could lose it right now. But I'm smiling. You're experiencing a miracle right now. Because if you knew who I used to be <laughs> to where I am now, you're experiencing a miracle. Come on, somebody. Because some of y'all used to be gangster back then. Lord have mercy. Gospel gangsters. <laughs> he blesses it. And then he distributes it and multiplies it and then leaves more than enough. I'm done. Tonight... My prayer for you tonight is that you take a second before God does anything major in your life. Well, when he does something major, not before, but when he does something major in your life, you take those moments to reflect on how he did it. Your blessing comes when you understand the movement of God. When you understand how God did it for you, the way you tell other people how God did it for you, it begins to make sense and create other believers. The reason why we don't have a lot of people coming to church and all of our churches around America is because nobody wants to talk about what God did. <sighs> Excuse me. Nobody wants to talk about what God has done personally for them. What has he done for you? I'm not talking about, oh, well, he saved me when I was a little boy and, uh, you know... I've been in church all my life. That's not a story. That's, that's just a, that's a testimony about what, what, what you, know, you know, he saved you as a little boy. But I want to know what he's doing with you now. What he's doing for you now. Because people aren't going to open up this big old, you know, 66 chapter Bible. They're not going to sit here and open up that when they got you being the clearest Bible that they can see. I mean, how will they know what faith is unless they see it from you? 
have a coworker, and she calls me Bishop now. She just started. Now she calls me Bishop now. <laughs> she just started, and um, and and she was she was telling me she was like, man, it's just the I, I, I see God every time I'm around you. She don't even go to church. She used to go to church, but she was church hurt. But she says, I see God every time I'm around you because. It's like you'll have the worst days, and, and, and I know you're having the worst days, but you'll still smile and you'll still keep. I said, because there's a joy on the inside that man can't give me. Y'all, y'all didn't give me this. So if you didn't give it to me, there's no, re- no way I'm going to let you take it away from me. You get what I'm saying? So that's the miracle in itself. It's the fact that I could go crazy. I was, you know, I had a preservation meeting with a, another staffer. We, you know, we're going to let her go today. But she, she, she understood that, that, listen, the miracle is you can't allow people to get under your skin to push you to a place that does not honor God. You can't allow people. They will do it if you let them. But the miracle comes in is when I don't let the chaos on me inside that's where the miracle is the fact that you can remain peaceful in crisis that's a miracle i know you a miracle just walking in itself the type of work she does just miracle not losing it the type of work that we do we do not losing it i don't know all the everybody else's job and what everybody else is doing but the type of work i mean just the miracle alone if if i did this 10 years ago i'd probably be in jail because i'd beat somebody up but the fact, I know I got the Holy Ghost because I'm able to stand in there and smile. Come on, somebody. I know I got it. The miracle to come in and smile in your face when you talk about me. Think about it. It's a miracle to know that I have peace in the midst of a storm. We look for tangible things. But what about the things that money can't buy? A level sound mind when everybody else is going crazy. Healing in your body when everybody's sick. Come on, somebody. I mean, think about it. Your heart being broken, but you didn't lose your mind and shoot somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on. The mere fact that I'm still standing here is a miracle today. I mean, think about it. I, I just, I, I, I be at home sometimes, and sometimes, Pastor Tiffany, I just, I, I, I just go into a weeping frenzy because I know the, I, I just know how the, the outcome should have ended up. I know what it should have been. We're going to get ready to pray, but I was in Atlanta, Georgia, and I was, um, Driving in that same truck, my favorite truck at that time. And I didn't change my tires. It was so bad. You know, I didn't change the tires. I forgot. I was young. Young and dumb. And so, <laughs> I was driving on, um, in Georgia. And as I was driving in, in, in the traffic of Atlanta, we were coming around a curve on, on, to get onto on the interstate. And as I was going around the curve to get on the interstate, my car lost my truck. And you know, them explorers, the motor explorers, they flip. <laughs> so, as I was trying to turn... The back part of my car turned with me. So for me turning like this, I was now turning like this in the lane. And I'm sitting there like the feeling that I felt because I knew that there were 
trucks and semi-trucks coming around. They just, I was, I passed them already, but I, I knew I had time, but I knew I could not stop the car. In that moment, the first thing I knew to call was Jesus. First thing I knew. I knew I could not control this car. I knew I couldn't control the situation, but at the time my army bearer was with me and I was, we were traveling and I was like, and he was, and I'm sitting there, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And the moment I called Jesus, I was turned the opposite way facing oncoming traffic. The car stopped in the middle, off the, uh, right off of the ramp. So I was facing five lanes. <laughs> think, think about it. Facing five lanes. There was a semi-truck coming off the interstate, coming fast. Going to hit me right then and there. I was stuck. And this is all happening all in seconds. Like, I was, I was stuck. I was looking at this happening. And my friend was sitting, sitting there screaming, like, move, move, move. And I, I couldn't move because I just, I was, I didn't know what to do. And then I heard a still small voice say, drive. I, I, I slowly got on and then I, my car scooted over to the, to, to the left side. The truck passed me. Missed me in seconds. I got out the car and I just walked around. And I just looked up <laughs> in a gaze because there was no human way that I was supposed to get out of that. I knew. I already saw my life flash before me. I saw the news. I saw my parents and how they were grieved. I saw my sister screaming and hollering. I saw it all. Anybody ever saw your life flash before you like that? And, 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 and so I saw all that. And so the next day we go to church and we didn't talk about it. We didn't say anything about it. The rest of the night we just kept quiet. Didn't say anything about it. Next church, I mean the next day we went to church and I was getting ready to go on stage to go, to go minister. I was in the front row of that show, like where you were sitting. And the stage is up there. And I sat there and I heard the Holy Ghost say, I know you're not going to act like I didn't just bring you out of death. I'm in a Baptist church. You know, they don't do nothing. They don't do no screaming or hollering there. It was a very conservative church. And I'm sitting there, and, and, and as I'm sitting there, I'm just shaking. Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm just, I, I, I can't take it. Because I start remembering of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me. So I started shaking, and, 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 and I just kept hearing, I know you're not going to sit here and act like I just, not, I just didn't deliver you yesterday. Let me show you what should have happened to you. Oh, my gosh. Mess me completely up. What should have happened to me was the car was supposed to flip as I was turning. Then as it was flipping, the truck should have came and hit ended everything else from there. The moment that I came back to in that service, I was already running around screaming. Ah! <laughs> Just screaming. I couldn't control it. Couldn't control it. And then by the time I said, y'all have to excuse me, I'm sorry. But let me tell you what happened to me yesterday. So whatever message that I had turned into a testimony. And deliverance took place in the house. You have no idea what God is setting you up for. Come on, stand with me. We're going to take, the, take this offering. We're going to prepare to give. And we're going to pray. But y'all, I tell you. These miracle signs and wonders that, that have happened to me, I, I'm telling you, it's real life stories that have happened to me. Uh, to, to complete the story with my sister, my sister, by the time I got to the hospital, my sister was up eating a Whopper. She was up eating a Whopper. She got on my nerves. She said, what you doing here? Don't nobody want you here? I'm like, she good. I'm going home. <laughs> I'm going home. She was up. What happened was her stuff started uh, st uh, stopped working 
in the middle of the night. They tried to resuscitate her, and they were trying to make attempts that morning. Um, lost communication with us. I was already in route. By the time I got there, she was already too. They, they had bought her back uh, at that point, and she was just, she, it's like nothing happened. It happened so fast, like nothing happened. She didn't lose any brain function or anything like that. God sustained her life for another year when he was ready to take her home. For another year. So I got tons of testimonies that I could tell you all night and we'll be here all night. But, but, but that's just a little bit of what has happened to me in my life. Seeing God raise my sister from the dead. Seeing God save me from near-death experience. I mean, the many times God provided for me. I mean... Think about it. I mean, this ain't nothing that I'm just telling you so that you can feel good tonight. This is my life. This is what I went through. And the only way I can minister to you is telling you the story of that, what God has done for me. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise in here. Amen. Amen. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for, for who you are, God. You are still Jehovah Rapha. The God who heals. You are still Jehovah Shammah, the one who is with me. You are still Jehovah Jireh, the provider. You are Jehovah Tishkanu, God. Our banner. You are our righteousness. You are everything. You're our peace, Jehovah Shalom. You are our peace. And Father, I thank you, Lord, because this week, God, we are in such great expectation for your movement, God. We want, to, we want our minds blown out, God, our eyes bugged out, mouth wide open, God, trying to figure out how did you do this thing, God? We want to be completely mind blown, God, this week, God. Because we believe that there is nothing too hard for you. You're able to, 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 to have a woman who is over 100 years old give birth. You're capable of destroying cities and building cities, God. You are capable of bringing peace to war situations, God. And God, I thank you, God, that you can make a mountain a plain. There's nothing too hard for you. And anything that you set in motion cannot be stopped. Because you are God. You're God with our endorsement and you're God without our endorsement. You are God if we believe in you and you're God if, even if we don't believe in you, God. You are who you are, which is consistent. So, Father, right now, we thank you for the movement of the miracle on this week, God. We thank you right now that you're going to blow our minds and that comes Sunday. We would have received calls. We would have received answers. We would have received insight. Miracles come in the form of insight, too. We thank you, Lord, for the the, 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 the ways you choose to work God we don't understand all of it sometimes but because you choose to do it we thank you Father I thank you for the miracles that's on the house of Elevate right now the miracles that's on the house of our pastor and our first lady and their family I thank you Lord that you're going to blow their minds so Father we thank you Lord for those that are not here tonight God we ask, God, that you go into their home and deal with their imminent needs, God. And those that are standing here right now, God, all of us have needs right now in this moment, God.
some of us just prayed even this morning, even before getting here on those needs, God. Right now, God, I ask God that you meet the need. You give us insight and wisdom. And you ask us the questions, God. So that we can be open for the more than enough experience. We thank you, Lord. That you are the God that can meet the need. You are the God that can meet the need. You are the God that can meet the need. You know it before we even know that we have the need. And so we thank you and bless your name, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody give God a praise right here. Come on, give him the praise. Give him the praise. Come on. Whatever he's got in store for you, he's getting ready to blow your mind. So we praise you right now, God. We thank you right now. We love you and we bless you, God. We thank you that even though the devil tries to stop the miracle, God, you're still capable of making sure it's performed. There's nothing he can do to stop what you got for us, God. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. This week, somebody's going to give us a testimony, Lord. We thank you for the testimonies and the miracles that's going to happen this week, God. And we praise you in advance for it. In Jesus' name, we pray. In Jesus' name, we pray. In Jesus' name, we pray. Those that have been having challenges on your job, who's having challenges on your job right now? That's me. I'm, I'm having one of them. You too. Challenges on your job. The miracle comes in when you do opposite of what everybody expects you to do. <laughs> That's the word that I'm going to give you. The miracle comes in when you're the opposite of what everyone is expecting. That's when you're going to experience two miracles. Elevation on another level. When you have every right to be upset. Every right to go off. But then you reserve that right for God to fight your battle. Woo! If you hold your peace, that means that, that, that means hold don't let what's on the outside stop what's on the inside. Hold and retain that posture of peace and watch God fight your battle. It's already done. And God will recover it all. Just watch. Just watch. Just watch. Somebody give God a praise. Give God a praise. Give God a praise. Any Those that have been going through some health challenges, sometimes, think about it, Lazarus had to die days before he saw a miracle <laughs> what is my saying the maggots had to come the flies had to come your situation has got to stink sometimes to its worse and then when Jesus steps in the flies have to give up what they ate the maggots have to give up what they ate everything has to give up what it ate so that a full functioning body can work think about what all the process Think about it. Those that deal with death. <laughs> the process of death. I, I don't want to call anybody out. But the process of it. After, after just 24 hours, you're going to see rigor mortis changing. The, the heaviness, the weight. I recently just lost my dog. And it was the worst thing in the world. Because it was, just, it was the worst thing in the world. Everything, the blood that leaves the body has to come back. Think about it. I don't mean to be so graphic. But this is the God you serve nothing stands up against him I don't care if your situation is the worst 
the person is already dead God is able if he wants that person living he will he will make it so ask Lazarus so your situation sometimes has to stink sometimes it has to get to its worst man's extremity is God's opportunity do you hear me your extremity is the opportunity of a miracle for God to work a miracle so I know it's rough right now the job is rough I, I've been saying I was going to quit for, for months yeah, I've been saying that <laughs> I've been saying that for months <laughs> I've been saying it for months Lord take me off this job Lord take me and he's like no I'm not going to do it because I got, I got something for you and I need you in this thing a little bit longer so I know you're in it right now but you have to trust God even when you can't trace him you have to trust God to know your best he has your best interest at heart and if you're in it this long it's not because he's abandoned you he wants you in it for a reason I'd have never been this smart had, had God, if God aborted if, God, if I aborted the situation quickly if I didn't have certain conversations while being in the situation, I would have missed so many, so much in my life. Some of the greatest blessings came through trouble. If you don't believe me, ask David. David says, it was good that I've been afflicted. It was good that, that I went through all the stuff I went through. It was good. So the miracle sometimes is on the end of the, of the situation. You cannot be called an overcomer if you don't come over anything. So there's miracles at the end of your overcoming. So we thank you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. God, I just thank you. Whew, I feel his presence in here, y'all. I feel his presence in here. Somebody's getting ready to, to get phone calls this week. Somebody's going to get answers this week. I feel him in the house. God, I thank you. God, I thank you. Relationships will be repaired. Miracles out of that. God, I thank you. I thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody celebrate Jesus one more time. We're going to go ahead and take the offering tonight. I want you to grab a seed tonight. Grab what you have and let God bless it. That's, a, that's going to be my new privilege now. We're not going to grab an offering. We're going to grab what you have to present to God.